Welcome back to Locked On Cast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, rated five stars on Apple Podcasts by Jude Five Three One. He says Chris and Evan really helped me learn more about the team. They also make this podcast entertaining, so that makes me happy. They also dedicate their time daily to bring us great information. Jude Five Three One, our shouts to you and shouts to our guest Justin Roan from the Chase Down, where in a very long series of podcasts we talk about the current state of the Cavs, get a little nuanced and a little weird about it. Today's episode of Locked on Cavs is brought to you by Locker Room. Download the app and join me and Chris this week on Thursday evening to get in on the action. Locker Room, changing the way we talk about sports. Cavs need a three. Sexton works on Irving, trying to get loose. He'll fire. Hey! Knocks it down! Ground. Here goes Okoro to the bucket and oh my! Okoro throws it down. Ten seconds to go. Here comes Colin Sexton. Sexton chased by Hill. Off to Stevens. Oh my! 45 ticks to go. That shot yes. is blocked by Nance. Get that big stuff out of here. Prince knocks down that hard and pass. Garland's there. Garland upstairs for Allen. Oh, look out! There you go. That's called team ball right there. All right, so as people heard in the intro, we're doing a big state of the Cavs here. Chris Manning and Evan Damerel from Lockdown Cavs, Justin Rowan from the Chase Town. Um, we're not doing specific topics. We're just going to kind of like riff on the Cavs for as long as we can because I feel like the discourse around the team for me is a little like, I feel like we're, it's a little all over the place, I think. I think it's a little unclear right now. We're in that weird nebulous area where we're watching the playoffs. The Cavs are not in them. We're just trying to figure out what's going on and what they're going to do. Eight, we're, as we're recording this on June 14th, uh, we are eight days away from the draft lottery. You'll be hearing this throughout the week over the course of a couple episodes. So we're, we're progressing toward the draft lottery. That's going to shape a lot of our discussion, I think, for the next month. The season obviously has been done for a while now. It feels about like six months ago at this point. Um, you know, Darius Garland was hitting bombs in the in the Jarvis Landry Softball game, they boxed at strong style. A taller Darius Garland. Yeah, okay. <laughs> yeah, Darius Garland is now like six six apparently. Um, <laughs> but I, Justin, as, as the guest, where do you want to start with with the Cavs? Where do you want to start unpacking them as we exist with them right now? Uh, I mean, that's a complicated question. I, I guess all Cavs conversations need to come. They they need to start with the evaluation of the young core, right? Like because how you feel about them and how far away you feel they are from mattering uh, in a larger context really determines how you feel about the rebuild. Um, you, you look at Darius Garland having his best month of his career in April. Is that the new baseline for him? Or is that kind of something that he's still kind of aspiring and working towards? I mean, that was the question we had with Colin Sexton last year uh, after the Jordan Clarkson trade. It was, okay, he he immediately, with more responsibility, he became more comfortable. He saw the playmaking go up. And the question was, for the nine months that we were waiting for the next season, is, is that the new baseline for Colin Sexton? I think the question is more important and really, really matters when it comes to Darius Garland because his production isn't in isolation, uh, the same way that Colin Sexton's is. Like his playmaking kind of comes off of secondary sets, whereas Garland 
if he's making the leap and if that's his new baseline and he's building upon that for next season, I think that he can help everybody else look better and, and make more sense. So the question really is, is how far away from being kind of a cornerstone piece is Darius Garland? I guess my only pushback to that is how much of it do you think is Darius growing and being comfortable in his own body? Or do you think it's more so it's, I guess you want to say March, April basketball. And do you really want to take a lot of, take a lot of stock from that? Or do you want to say, be more of a, I don't know, take a little bit more of a positive approach or a nuanced approach to it and wait for it to see what happens and see if it contains, it continues in the next year, because yeah, it's encouraging. And yeah, I sip some of the Kool-Aid, but with the power of uh, being separated from this team for a few weeks, I want to see more of Darius doing this before I really say, okay, the Cavs have hit on this pick. This is clearly their point guard of the future. And this is the guy that they should start steering towards because I don't know. It's just like that. And like the nickname core four, I, I it rolls <laughs> off the tongue really well, but I pause to say that sometimes because, I don't think any player is safe in this roster. If uh, if there's something that the Cavs can do to get make them better immediately, and let's say like a superstar becomes available, and it requires them to sacrifice one of these core four players, that's where I don't subscribe to that nickname. Well, I, let me just say this: I think there's a very open. I think there's a very open question about how much from last season will be real just because last season was so weird. I know, Justin, you and I differ on this a little bit. I think next season is going to still have some weirdness. Mm -hmm. I don't necessarily think it's going to hit the Cavs as hard as it might some other teams, but like, I just think the world that we're living in is just going to... The the reality of our situation um, is just that I think it's going to take a lot of time to unpack some of what has happened in the last year, and I think that will apply to basketball as well. Um, I, I just I just think it's unavoidable in some way, and I don't think we're going to know fully what that means, but it wouldn't shock me if there's some weirdness next year. I think the other question that we just have to note here is like, the thing that I, I have come back to the most in thinking about this is just that when Kobe Altman is like asked about this at his press conference, he basically just says the two teams he name checks are the Suns and the Hawks. Hawks are in the second round. Phoenix may very well be the favorite to make the finals out West. They could very well win the title this year. Those are the two teams he name checks as like, ways as like examples of what the Cavs could be heading towards mm-hmm. that would lead me to think that either there's like pressure he feels like there's pressure in him which I'm sure there is I, I feel very confident saying there's and that he thinks the roster is better than this year showed yeah. I think that that's a that's a bet you're hoping a lot of things click into place just because next season will not be as weird I'm a little skeptical of that because I don't think any of the Cavs have someone as the caliber of Devin Booker I don't think they have someone the caliber of um, Trey, even I think, I, I and I think we're going to figure out next year, like sort of how some of these pieces all sort of work. And I also just think we should be, exp- I think there's a very clear reality in a very clear chance where like the quote unquote core four is not the same as we understand it now in like two years. Like, I think you're going to like roster changes coming. I just don't think we know what those puzzle pieces are going to sort of like it. I'm very curious to see like how they go about doing that roster mobility. Cause I just think there's churn coming. It just feels, it just feels like it's on the horizon here a little bit to me. Yeah. I, I think when you say core four, what you're doing is you're identifying the pieces that you feel most comfortable saying, well, and, Hey, they're part of our future. So it's obviously Damian Dotson, uh, Dylan Windler, Dean uh, Wade. Roderick Thomas and Dean Wade. Right. Right. Yeah. The yeah. Four guys we're talking about. So when, when you're talking about a core four, the way that I interpret that, and this is the same with any team, not just the Cavs. If you're moving one of those core pieces, 
it's to get something else that's part of your core, unless you're doing a teardown, which the Cavs aren't at that stage of the team building process where you're looking to tear down and go young. Well, your your core is young. So if you're moving someone like even Larry Nance, let, let's let's bring him into this. If you're moving a Colin Sexton or a Larry Nance, you're doing it to acquire a piece that you consider foundational that you you predict is going to be part of the future like i don't think moving larry for future first round picks is going to be something that flies well especially when you're communicating that you want to be competitive i think the other thing you need to factor in is yes maybe there is some organizational pressure to get better uh in the near future I, i'm not sure one way or another but i think there's also pressure coming from the players themselves like the fact that you got these guys already back in cleveland working with the team uh agreeing to have uh coaches come out every couple of weeks to, to check on their progress and to add to what they're working on in the offseason. This is different. It's a different level of buy-in that, than we've seen in the past. And I, I think there's pressure coming from really competitive players in Sexton, Garland, and Okoro for this team to be better. Jared Allen returning to the market to work out with the, these guys too, even though he's a pending free agent. You're getting buy-in, and I think you want to reward that. Like th- That's my biggest thing. And yeah, maybe you don't have the cap space that Atlanta had to make the moves for Danilo and uh, Bogdanovich. But maybe you can kind of replicate some of that growth with both internal improvement across the team uh, with all those young guys. Uh, Atlanta, I really like the pick of Okongwu, but he didn't really contribute anything to them this season. You're likely going to be getting someone in the draft that's going to contribute more than Okongwu did for the Hawks. So while you may not have one player make a Julius Randle-like leap uh, with the Knicks that helps kind of propel them to that next level, maybe you you get in some assistant coaches that'll up the pace, you find creative ways to get the, the three-pointers up, you get internal growth across the board and yeah maybe you don't have a Trey Young but it wouldn't surprise me if Darius Garland had a better regular season than John Morant did this year like you you look at what Jaw did in Memphis maybe that's a, a better comparable for him next season I like where this is going so you two are on board with me and saying that the Cavs took the better point guard in 2019 hey guys Chris and I'll be right back with our conversation with Justin but we got to pay the bills and first I got to give you a word from today's sponsor indeed indeed is the job site that makes hiring as easy as one two three post screen and interview all on indeed indeed makes connecting with and hiring the right talent fast and easy with tools like indeed instant match giving you quality candidates whose resumes on indeed fit your job description immediately and indeed skill tests that on average reduce hiring times by 27 percent indeed is like i said just the best job site ever and it makes hiring as easy as can be get started right now on a free with a free 75 dollars sponsored job credit to upgrade your job post at indeed.com locked again get a 75 dollars credit at indeed.com locked indeed.com lock offer valid through june 30th terms and conditions apply did you know that built bar has nine delicious flavors and if you don't know Bill Bar flavors, well, you're missing out. They have coconut, coconut almond, cherry, raspberry, mint brownie, peanut butter brownie, double chocolate, salted, cal- salted caramel, and so much more for everybody who likes a, the, literally the best tasting protein bar ever. If you haven't tried them all, you can get a mix box where you can get two of each of the nine flavors. Not only are Bill Bars delicious, they're healthy as well. They have 17 grams of protein. 130 calories, 4 grams of sugar, and only 4 grams of net carbs. And there's a couple others that have 18 grams of protein, 180 calories, 5 grams of sugar, 5 grams of net carbs. 
Order today and you can get either raspberry or mint brownie flavor or whatever you like. There's some other flavors as well. They have a delicious grasshopper one that they just sent us. It's just so good. So if you're interested, go to BuiltBar.com and use promo code LOCKED15 and you'll get 15% off your first order. Use promo code LOCKED15 for 15% off at BuiltBar.com. Today on the road to the finals, our NBA playoffs coverage is brought to you by Michelob Ultra. It's only worth it if you enjoy it, and at 2.6 carbs and 95 calories, we can all enjoy the games a little bit more this season. <laughs> well, the, here, here's the here's the thing. What I I think that the the two names that we've all talked about, I think, are like Donovan Mitchell and John Moran. And one being for, for, for Sexton. No, 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 no. Oh, I'm oh, saying for okay, Darius and Colin. I'm saying like, those are the names that like okay. have been brought up. And I I think where we're I think there's two things that I want to say just about that as a thing. Number one, those two teams both build better infrastructures than the Cavs have. Like Memphis drafted really smart. Utah had like some older players and and kind of plucked Mitchell into like the Gordon Hayward spot that fucking like it's luck. And then they also built smartly. Yeah. I also think there is growth we need to see from Darius is I think a little further along in this because he's just the pace he plays yet. Um, watching Mitchell, what he's doing in the playoffs, I think should give you hope that like maybe Colin can get there in some way if he can learn something from this. But like, I think there's another level of like control over the game that we have not seen anyone on the team really master. And I, I that is not like everything. And I think the Cavs are never going to be in a position realistically where like, unless they get Kate or something like that, where like they're going to have a guy dictate the flow in that way. Mm-hmm. But I, I think there's like, there's stuff that needs to come from these guys where it is like, okay, Colin is going to like not go a bajillion miles an hour. Every time he has a ball in his hands and he's going to dribble a little lower, he's going to keep it tight and he's going to like handle this really well. Darius is going to like, I think Jod does really well. Um, is like he, he he's deadly at playmaking and shooting out of the middle, and he just dominates that area of the floor. Like, what can they pick stuff from those that it's going to work and make them really tough guards and then catapult there? And then like, look like Okoro, like what 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 Oka- Isaac Okoro looks like in year two will be like a very fascinating thing. Like, what does Jared Allen look like? Does he add some dimension to his game that we're sort of looking at maybe him adding besides sort of like him being an offensive specialist and, and a defensive anchor? Like. There are things that we need to see, I think, before we sort of like understand this. And it, I think that makes I think that makes the job of J.B. Bickerstaff. I think that makes the job of Kobe Altman in the whole front office. I think it makes the job that they are tasked with doing in terms of like building this out now and like sort of trying to set actual templates. I think it makes it very tricky to like figure out exactly what is realistic and what is not. Like I find it very hard to sort of project some of this stuff because it, it just it just is really hard to do, especially when like. I don't know, like the, the 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 Kevin Love of it all, the the the, the roster churn of the last two years, just in terms of the collecting data and and how the, weird the, the last two seasons are so weird. It, it's honestly it's, hard it's, to it, it's a to generate of, an a, an objective opinion. Like uh, Evan brought it's, up it's the example of Darius Garland in in April, and yeah, the, the late season was a, a big part of that. Um, now we we saw that with with Sexton as well, where he was putting up good numbers in kind of meaningless games. And the, the one thing I would note in April was even though they didn't win a lot of those games, there was that stretch where they were p- competing for the play in and playing teams like Chicago, Washington, other teams that were motivated to make the play in and Garland performed, uh, performed well in those games. Now that doesn't mean that that's going to be his baseline starting next year. He, he could be better. He could be worse. It, it wouldn't surprise me. I have no real idea. What I was identifying is that I feel that's one of the most important questions, because even if you are adding a playmaker in this draft, even uh, whether it be Kate, Scotty Barnes, uh, J- Jalen uh, Green, wh- whoever that may be, Garland is still going to be a primary initiator of the offense. Like I, I think that he's going to be the straw that stirs the drink. And especially if you 
want to be good, you probably need a guy with more experience really kind of stepping up to the plate and Garland will, will need to be that guy. Otherwise, I, I just think that the bridge to be in a playoff team, it's it's a long one. It's a long one if you're not getting that internal growth. Like I, I think Garland needs to be one of the biggest parts of that. Uh, you talk about Donovan Mitchell comparisons with Colin Sexton. And like when I've done that in the past, it's kind of just being instructive of, okay, well, the, the production is similar at the same age, but you look at the gaps and yeah, uh, Mitchell's a bad defender, but he's slightly better. The biggest thing to me is the difference in three-point rate and the ability to generate those three-point shots. It's not just a decision to go out there and say, hey, I'm going to take eight threes. Donovan Mitchell's handle is far advanced compared to Colin Sexton's. He's got that step-back jumper. Uh, He's able to hunt those shots in a way that nobody on this team really can. Like, I think Garland will create the space, but he hasn't shown a willingness to take He's not a willing. He's not a willing shooter. Like he's just. No. He's just not. And that that's a, that's a thing. Yeah, and, and I think that's why Kobe identified that they need him to be one. Like, and that was the most encouraging thing about that April stretch is as he became more aggressive, he was also creating for other guys. It wasn't like Kyrie when uh, in those early years he'd have a half where he doesn't take any shots, but he's getting the assists, and then all of a sudden he's scoring. Right, like the assist opportunities and the generating shots for other players were coming at the same time as his scoring, which is really what you need to see. That's really where the the next step needs to come from him. Uh, if he wants to advance in his career. Actually, let's talk more about that. And Chris brought up Isaac, and I think we can talk about him in a bit because I'm really excited about his potential. And it's a lot of the same cliches I say. We're like, yeah, if he tightens his handle and improves his shot, the Cavs are really cooking with grease here when it comes to Isaac Okoro. Mm-hmm. But I do want to talk about Jared Allen. He is he has four years of experience in the league, so he's kind of a weird young core player, but also one of the more veteran presences on this roster. I mean, Kevin Love notwithstanding, of course, but people can talk about, yeah, he needs to put on weight or he needs to bulk up a little bit. What's one thing you guys want to see from him improve upon or add to his game this offseason that, you know, you haven't really heard anywhere else? Oh, that's a tough one. So for me, like, I I think areas for offensive growth, it's him continuing to improve as a passer, maybe that that corner three that he showed nice touch there. But to me, the biggest thing that I want to see is improving his communication as a center. Like to me, young centers, they may play good individual defense, but they have to recognize that they are the quarterback of the defense. They need to be that guy that's pointing things out. And I Mm -hmm. I think we saw with Larry, um, just his communication in addition to what he brings individually defensively, it made a really big difference. And for Jared Allen, as he starts to enter his prime, you'd expect that growth to continue. So I I really want to see him increases impact as a team defender and the the guy that's really communicating quarterbacking the defense versus what he does individually, which I I think is impressive. But to me, that's where the leap from Jared Allen is, is if he can be that guy that's really the defensive glue of an entire unit versus being a good defender individually. So I think that's right. I think the other thing is I'm watching the playoffs and like, I know Evan said, like, don't pick the thing you've heard over, but I, I really think there is something to the idea that like, Oh no, if it's something based on what you watch in the playoffs, go ahead. But like, I, I'm watching the, the consensus is, I mean, is like Jared Allen. He's add muscle to his frame. Like, well, yeah, I, no, no dip, well, but, but I think that's part well, of I'm, something new. Well, it's just like, I'm watching Embiid cook Capella in that series. Right. Like um, I was listening to a pod, no free ads, but like they, the, there's a stat on there that was like, 
uh, Embiid post-ups are generating like 1.3 points per possession in the playoffs. And that's like absurd, right? Getting to there is like another step that I don't want to like put the Cavs to. But I think if you're going to, if we're going to embrace Jared Allen, if we're like, if you're the Cavs, you're going to say, okay, what we are going to do here is we are going to take Jared Allen and we're going to like build our defense around him. I've suggested that there's a clear way to do this. I wrote about this. Mm-hmm. There, there's a way to look at this and say like, you, we need to make sure he's going to be able to handle the brunt of that and get used to those kind of things. And I think you need to embrace, like have him evolve in that way. And whether that's like, whatever you decide how you want to do it, whether it's going to be Gobert who like does move a little more than you might think. And like, yes, he's getting beat sometimes, but like playing defense is really hard. Like that's going to happen or like whatever. I think you need to make sure it's not going to be a Capella situation where Capella had like a fantastic year, age 27 year should, should definitely be all defense consideration. Like was really, really good. The problem I think you get to with that is like, he's getting just destroyed in the series. And like, I, I think you need to get, can Allen get to a point above that? I think whatever you feel like is going to get him there, whether it is strength, whether it is just like focusing on that part of his defense, whether it is like him learning to communicate um, in some way, like if there's someone you can, if there's a, a skill coach or you can get him in with Elijah on for the summer. So he develops like a little bit of a post game um, where like, he's not just a, a lob threat. Basically. Like I think you need to find him, have him evolve in the way that you want to push him towards. Cause he's still, moldable Jared Allen mm-hmm. is still a very moldable mm-hmm. guy and I think it's about picking the direction you want to go from him to maximize him because I think if you're Cleveland your your strength as a franchise should be okay yes we're getting guys this isn't a glamour market whatever we're gonna make we're gonna like be a, a place where guys can really find them find themselves find be comfortable become the best version of themselves and Jared Allen is like the test case of like taking a guy who's really good and you want to make make him into something bigger than he might have been if he'd like stayed in Brooklyn for example Hey everyone, Evan here again. Gotta pay those bills one more time with a quick word from today's sponsor, Bet Online. Bet Online is the fastest and easiest way to bet on all your sports action. Baseball season is in full swing and you can track all the action at Bet Online. Get all the latest news, odds, and info for all your sporting needs, including MLB, NBA, NHL, and all of your UFC MMA action. For the next pitch, head over to Bet Online on your laptop or mobile device and check out all the great sporting news, sign-up bonuses, and contest information. Do not sit on the sidelines anymore as this is your chance to get into the game as teams prep for their runs to the playoffs. So head to their website or use your mobile device today to sign up and receive a 50% welcome bonus on your first deposit, but only if you use the promo code Locked On. Bet online, your online sportsbook experts. Yeah, I, I mean, the tricky thing with that is if your bar to paying a player is can you stop Joel Embiid, uh, not a single center would get well, a right. But but I'm NBA. saying like but I'm saying like don't be like don't be like 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 roadkill for Joel Embiid. Yeah, like, don't, don't just do be not like, be food. Yeah, yeah, don't yeah don't be food on the block if like you're guarding Embiid, you're guarding any big burly center that like because there are just are some of those guys and that's not everything. But like in the in in this in the vision for example like. You know, I mean, you're going to have Giannis is functioning as a center a lot of the time. Yeah. Like Sabonis exists. Like uh, there were times when like we watched the Cavs with the Pistons and like Isaiah Stewart was muscling Jared Allen sometimes. Like like mm-hmm. you're just going to have to handle some of the brunt of that when you're Jared Allen. And if you're going to if, if this is if some version of what we're seeing here is two smaller guards in the perimeter, like a power forward who's like maybe not the best defensive positional player Jared Allen's going to take on the brunt of this he has to be ready for like whatever that entails and I think some of that is just like dirt like just size and master ability and then like also honing out his skills in the way that they wanted to 
I, I agree. I, I think the other component to that too is making sure that you have the right defensive pieces around him. Like you, you want to be able to kind of limit penetration and the ability to get those interior uh, post touches to a player like Joel Embiid. And I, I think Atlanta's really suffering from not having DeAndre Hunter. Um, like if I had my ideal perfect way to build the Cavs, I would love to have like two small forwards playing both of the forward positions, basically do what Boston does with Jason Tatum at the four. Um, like I, I'd want to play up tempo. I, I think that's the, the best way for the Cavs to be able to generate offense consistently as a young team. And Jaron Allen, like he, he fits well into that. He, he's a mobile center that's able to get up and down the floor. Uh, he shows prowess in the pick and roll. Uh, the passes out of the short roll are encouraging as well. He's got good chemistry with Garland it's it's everything that you'd want to see but I, I do think that increasing kind of the, the size and the length around Jared Allen uh, is going to really help him out particularly in the front court you know I agree with that for sure and I'm actually going to take a page a little bit out of what both your points were Justin um, if the Cavs are able to able to add some depth on the perimeter and I know that's just that's just a glaring need for any team in today's yeah. modern NBA <laughs> like that's a given but I'm really intrigued to see if Jarrett can work on his ability to pass out of the short roll and double teams. And I mean, I've been watching a lot of Evan Mobley footage lately just to kind of sink my teeth into him. That's something I really noticed during his time at USC. And I kind of, I, I sometimes tease people for citing potential assists, but Mobley averaged a lot of potential assists at Southern Cal just because of the quality of his teammates. But I mm-hmm. think it, Jar- Jarrett could be a player like that too, where out of double teams and in, he can find open teammates on the opposite wing. Like I think those are key things for Jared to make himself even more valuable, especially if he doesn't become a three point shooter. And granted he takes more, he's taken more threes in Cleveland. than I think he ever did in Brooklyn. Chris can correct me if I'm wrong on that. Uh, yeah, I'm pretty Yeah. There's also the thing where like the, he was getting walled off a little bit, right? Like he's, yeah. he was take he's still shooting a very high percentage, but like you at the Brooklyn, he was at the rim, like, pretty much exclusively in Cleveland. He stole a lot of shots of the room. The bulk is there, but it is like pushed out into where he's hitting more floaters. He has to do it. Like there's a tad bit more work for him to do. And, and I think that made his life a little harder. Yeah, yeah and, uh, I agree. And that's part of why ESPN, when they did their top 25 on 25, they had Jared Allen there because they still believe that there's upside. And I happen to agree. And he's shown like glimpses of the passing and, and the shooting, but it's all about, bringing that to the table more consistently and rounding out your game. And I, I really think like there's a lot of options in this draft that will help the cast, no, no matter where they're picking. But at the end of the day, like adding a 19 year old, isn't going to be the main reason why this team is in the playoffs. If they are in the playoffs next season, like it really needs to come internally. And I think Jared Allen and Darius Garland kind of being though the most important parts, because I, I feel like Sexton is going to do what he does. Like he, he's going to go out there. He's going to score. I, I hope kind of the, the playmaking we saw uh, later in the season continues, but at the same time, you're likely bringing in more talent, maybe another guy that's initiating the offense. So I wouldn't necessarily put the, the markers for growth, solely based on assists, uh, especially playing alongside Darius Garland, who hopefully will make a leap. But Allen and Garland, to me, are the most important parts when it comes to internal growth uh, because they kind of represent the most important part for the defense and the offense moving forward. Now, Larry Nance is the better defensive player. Um, I I think if he would have played all season, he would have got some all-defensive consideration. But at the end of the day, like Jared Allen needs to be that guy. He's the the younger part. He's the guy that you're likely committing to uh, for an extended contract this summer. He needs to step up in that way. I think that's right. I absolutely agree. And I guess what my point was is like, 
you don't want him to become reliant on his three-point shooting, and I don't think that's no. necessarily a part of his game. So that playmaking upside that Jarrett had coming out of Brooklyn into Cleveland, I think, is the Cavs. Something the Cavs need to encourage even more because I don't know. I'm I'm a big proponent of if this team doesn't have like a true bona fide superstar to build their identity around playmaking by committee or having a five man offense that really facilitates and works together on a string is ideal. And I think Jarrett just adding a little bit of that playmaking in the short roll or just looking to kick out and double teams to players on the perimeter and especially wing players that the Cavs can add that and just be hugely beneficial to this offense. I totally agree. How, how confident are you guys in the growth of Isaac Okoro? Cause he, I, I know Evan, you mentioned that you're pretty Fair. high on it. I'm, I'm a little more hesitant personally, oh. just because like, I understand the work ethic is there. And I've seen what that's done to Colin Saxton making big leaps, but I'm, I'm always hesitant just to kind of project solely based off of that, because like growth isn't always linear. It's ugh, like, I, I just don't feel comfortable banking on a, a massive leap next season. It wouldn't surprise me. Um, that he got better throughout the season. I would imagine that uh, an off season to, to really work on his game is going to benefit him. But I just, I have no idea where to pencil him in. And like, frankly, if they're drafting a wing and the core four turns into the core five, he'd be my guess on who would move to the bench. Maybe not for the entire season, but he would be my assumption in that space. I agree with that. And I guess I'm not too... I guess I'm banking more on his upside because his shot wasn't totally broken. Like he wasn't a great shooter coming out of Auburn, but the mechanics and the fundamentals weren't totally broken where it's not like I, I really am intrigued by Scotty Barnes, especially because he's a big playmaker. And like, I would like that as an option for the Cavs if they land fifth or maybe outside of the top five, if Kamingo isn't their guy at five or whatever. But I, when I saw him play and the fact that the Cavs coaching staff and his teammates had to more or less, yell at him to take more threes i think that was just i mean that, that's that's not a bad thing of course because isaac's aware of the fact that like, that's not a strength of his game but they're trying to make it that but mm-hmm. i like i said since it's not completely broken like a scotty barnes or like the Cavs player development staff doesn't have to have their work cut out for them like they have a good foundation to work with and something to grow upon and I don't know. Maybe it won't be like a shooting won't be a key feature of Isaac's game, but I don't think it'll be a huge detriment. Maybe not next season, but maybe by his third or fourth season, you say like, okay, Isaac Okoro is in a net and minus when he's out there on the perimeter. Like you don't have to let teams don't have to completely sag off on him when he's out there floating around the perimeter and everything like that. But like, yeah, I'm, like said, I'm high on his, like I'm high on his upside and what Isaac Okoro is going to be in the NBA. It's start of next season. Where is he going to be? Because to me, like that, that's the biggest thing that we're, we're trying to figure out, right? Like, oh, we're not going to, the thing is, we're not, we're not going to know this. We're not going to know this until like 20 games into next year. I also just right. think it'll be very interesting to see how they approach him if they draft the wing, because like there's a lot of ways you could argue he's like maybe their second most important defensive player. And I don't know how you walk back him in some ways from how good he was on the well, defensive in his rookie. Like, there's, it there's depends just, on how you feel about Larry Nance Jr. because it's probably Jarrett one or two, then Larry one or two, then yeah, Isaac. Yeah, but Larry, the three. way they used Isaac indicates to me that like they don't want to have Larry in the perimeter a ton, and Isaac oh, is like yeah. throwing mm-hmm. duels, and that, that is where the league feasts and where the league works. And like the, I, Those two are probably the best defenders on the team, but in terms of importance to Jared, executing team defense, Jared's Isaac's the, the guy on the perimeter, right? Yeah, yeah. It's Jared. I think Jerry and Isaac are like how you're building everything. Larry is very mm-hmm. good. It's like, a, I think, like a supplemental defender more than anything else. I think that is where like his best attributes sort of yeah. come a, on that. A, a jack of all trades, master of none has always been Larry Nance's moniker in my eyes. And 
I'm totally fine of still saying that. Well, and a good you, thief. Yeah. Good uh, thief. Picking picking off those passing lanes that like Isaac Okoro going out there and making things difficult. Uh, like when we had Jackson Frank on the podcast, I thought he made such a great point, uh, kind of comparing it to Thibault's growth in Philly. The def- the difference for Isaac Okoro and where he needs to make the next step is he was always in position this year, but great offensive players are going to be able to hit those shots over you when you're in great position. The next step for him is getting the film, studying the film, anticipating where those offensive players want to go and taking that away from them, forcing them out of their comfort zone. So they're, they're not gathering in ways that they've practiced and making those shots a little more difficult because a contest alone isn't enough. And that's something that's going to take time, right? Like the, the fact that he, as young as he was, the, the fact that this team got younger and improved defensively, I, I think is remarkable. And you got to give some credit both to Isaac Coral. You got to give credit to the coaching staff, uh, Jared Allen, and, and the additions they made made a difference. But that is, like that's still noteworthy. And, and prior to May, they were about like league average ish. I would have never expected that. Like I, 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 I had very little hope uh, for their defense last season as they got younger, but it's a really encouraging sign. But to me, the next step for Okoro is that, which is anticipating what the offensive player is going to do and taking that away from them. Well, let me, let me ask this. If you're, if you're setting a template of expectations for next season, like if you're trying to set a baseline, like where are you at in your head right now? Because I'm having a very hard time personally, like mm-hmm. deciding where I'm at at this moment. Like I'm sort of just punting until after the draft, after free agency, and we'll see sort of what those moves sort of indicate. But like, I just, I'm having a hard time like pegging anything right now. I just expect them to like, if, if you told me like the team was going to be mostly run back next year, I wouldn't be totally shocked just because of the difficulties of making moves sometimes. But like, mm-hmm. I have a hard time pegging on how how much I should expect next year as of right now. Like I'm having a very hard time gauging. Like okay, like what is what is the jump here in terms of quality? Yeah. So for me, coming into this past season, I was optimistic, but I, I kind of predicted mid twenties. Now I didn't expect Garland, Sexton, Love, and Nance to go from missing twenty four games and sixty five games to missing one hundred and fourteen games over seventy two. That was a little bit tough. Uh, there were extended injuries beyond just those guys, but that certainly hurt things going to, to 22 wins. Next year, I'm optimistic. I I was loud right, I guess, coming into this year about Garland and kind of where the team was going to be at. Um, but I, I think next year they're going to make the playoffs. I, I'm very confident in that. The presence of a play-in tournament helps, or I should cl- clarify, they're, they're going to at least make the play-in. Uh, but I, I think they may be in that 7-8 bracket rather than 9-10. And that's optimistic. I may be very loud wrong on this, um, but I, I want to stake my claim here because I, I feel like I've been right on Garland up to this point, and I, I think that he is the most important part to that um and i I just think next year they're they're going to make a leap i I think this is when it starts to come together when you're starting that many players that young that's like you're you're going to take some lumps but the fact that they're all buying into the level that they are and they're working together in the offseason i i really think that this this team just makes sense or at least those players make sense and I have some confidence in Kobe's ability to make roster moves, even without a ton of space, because that's really what we've seen them do the last couple of years. 